Welcome to the Business of Vulnerability. This podcast shares stories of organizations and people helping vulnerable individuals around the world. This podcast is brought to you by PulseForGood.com. Pulse for Good is an automated client feedback system to help organizations gather feedback from the individuals that they serve. For more information, please visit www.pulseforgood.com. Without further ado, the business of vulnerability. Welcome to the business of vulnerability podcast. Today on the podcast, we have Yama Karodi. Yama is the founder and president of Spreading Fortune. Yama, did I get that right? You did. Yeah, that's right. Great. Awesome. Uh, so so I, I could give you my probably poor introduction of what Spreading Fortune is, but I, I stumbled upon it and I thought it was really interesting. Yama, can you tell us a little bit of what, about what Spreading Fortune is and, and I guess maybe what it's going to become? Yeah, so it's really just a very new nonprofit organization that I just started this year. And the whole idea behind it is really that most of the people in the West, all of us living in the West, are very, very lucky to live there. And we have so much economic opportunity and uh, so many educational opportunities that really, I think, are the foundations for advancing a society, not just yourself, but the entire society advances. And so the, the you know, I consider that to be a fortune for all of us, good fortune. Mm-hmm. And there's so many places in the world that don't have that. They don't have any real economic opportunity, not any significant educational opportunity. And so those areas in the world are kind of left behind. So the goal of this organization is really to find the poorest people in the world and just give a little bit of the good fortune that we've had to them to try to get them up on their feet in a sustainable way. So it's not something where we would just give them cash, you know, in perpetuity, it's something where we would give them help so that they can get a job or a career or a trade that they can then use to sustain themselves. Awesome. How did how did spreading fortune come about? Like, what was the impetus for you starting it? Uh, well, that's a good question. You know, I had worked on a nonprofit with my father for years, where he was building schools in Afghanistan, and um, that was a really rewarding project. And this last, these last few years, you know, I just realized that there's more that I can be doing. I kind of feel like uh, I'm one of the people who uh, has a responsibility to help. If I don't help, who will? You know, because I've just had uh, a wonderful life here. My story is one of just being very, very lucky. And so if I don't spread that luck onto other people, um, then it's kind of a shame. I shouldn't be hogging it all for myself. And I, I read on your website that, that most of your work so far has been in Afghanistan. Is there a, a reason for that? What, what's the impetus for Afghanistan? Yeah, so um, so I'm actually, I was born in Afghanistan hmm. and I'm a refugee from Afghanistan. I came to the U.S. when I was five years old. We were escaping the uh, Soviet invasion. We literally had to escape. So we were hiding in grain silos and um, taking overnight bus rides. Uh, but we're able to escape. And uh, so I came to the U.S. and my life just completely changed. I, you know, I've been so fortunate like everybody else to be here. And, um, you know, I've gone back to Afghanistan several times now and I have family over there. Uh, My wife is from there. So my brother-in-law 
is a really good guy and he's over there. And I thought if I'm going to do something like this, where I'm going to help the poorest people in the world, well, Afghanistan, I have connections to. So it's a good place for me to start. It's, I have mm -hmm. people who I can trust. You know, I think if you're just, I think maybe a lot of people have these concerns where if you're giving money, sometimes you don't know who's really getting that money. You know, sometimes it's going to people who are just going to siphon it off for themselves and not really help the people that you're intending. Uh, sometimes it gets caught up in a lot of administrative costs uh, for an organization. So I thought, well, I know that when I give money uh, or people give money to this organization, that it's going to go directly to uh, the people in Afghanistan who need it because I'm, you know, just two steps away from them. It's mm -hmm. awesome. So what have you been able to do so far, right? You're, you're very new. I realize it's in its infancy, but, but what are the type of things that you guys have been using your money for? Yeah, so, you know, if you go to the website, uh, which is spreadingfortune.com, you'll just see two, I think, two people up there currently um, that we've helped. But it's actually, the number is actually 10. We just don't, we haven't updated yet because there's been a lot of uh, tumultuous times in Afghanistan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Um, But so, you know, just a couple of stories. We, you know, we had one lady who was essentially homeless. She was living in abandoned shops. She had worked before uh, sewing for uh, local shops, but um, had basically lost that uh, job. And her husband was addicted to drugs. And so he was out of the picture and she had several children to support. So we asked her, you know, how much would it cost for us to buy you a sewing machine? If we bought you a sewing machine and the supplies, would you be able to start sewing? Uh, how much money would you make? Would that be sustainable? Well, when we looked at everything, it turned out that you could give really just a few hundred bucks to a lady, buy her the machine, buy her these supplies, and she could start making money for herself and her children. And that allows her children then to go to school. So that's, you know, one of the projects, which, you know, we're pretty proud of. There's another one where a guy who was um, using a rickshaw to deliver food and to uh, basically help, you know, do trade. He had lost his home in the war and had also over about five years developed cataracts where he eventually became blind and couldn't work. So where his children were previously going to school, uh, they no longer could. So he basically had to stay at home while his kids went and did his rickshaw work. So what we did is we paid for him to get his cataract surgery, which was a success. And uh, now he's back out there working while his children are going to school, which is exactly what we want. Wow. It, it makes sense when you're, you know, at the beginning, you talked about wanting to do something that's sustainable, right? Helping people be able to return to work uh, really feels like a sustainable thing. Yeah, exactly. Like we, we basically, you know, the philosophy of our organization is that we're going to give people help and we're open to helping anyone really, but truly it's the people who really, really need it. You know, not somebody who's doing okay, but somebody who's really struggling, but there's stipulations with the money. You know, we say, if you get this money or this help, you have to use it for something honorable. So no, you know, drug trading or anything. It has to be something that's a sustainable job for you that you can make a good career out of, but you also have to make a couple of promises. And one of them is that you cannot use your children to help you work. You have to force your children to go to school and you have to tell them that it's important that they do well in school and not just that they go and kind of goof off. 
And then another one is, you know, if you ever get in the position where your life has gotten better and you can help someone else that you promise to do that. And I just think that's kind of making them promise to kind of spread the fortune themselves if they ever get to that point. Mm, yeah, I, and in my head, I imagined kind of that the telephone game, right, where where their good fortune spreads out to another, to another, and and your impact becomes far greater. Um, yeah, exactly. That's, that's the goal. That's awesome. Yeah, very cool. So, so what's the future look like? What's your goals for the next year here? And and you know, uh, you know, you mentioned you've helped ten people, and it, it seems like you know it's probably a fairly um, uh, I don't know what to call it other than like a manual process of finding the right people and things, but, but how are you going to, you know, maximize your impact and, and grow and scale? Uh, well, you know, we would like to expand the number of people that we're helping locally. Um, and that will happen. I think over time things will grow, the word gets out. Um, but long-term, you know, the spreading fortune to me is just an idea. And so I think it would be wonderful if people, all over the world, people all over the West who had connections to say Cambodia, Rwanda, whatever, were able to start up their own uh, franchises basically of this organization. Like mm. they could work with us and that would be fine, or they could work completely independently and that would be fine too. I think the biggest thing is you need somebody locally on site who you can trust who's really getting the it right information to you and then making sure that the people who uh, the money is intended for get it. Yeah. It's, it's a hard challenge, right? I think there's so many organizations that are really trying to do good, but, um, but the coming back to that telephone game, the amount of steps it takes to be able to get things to the end beneficiary and make sure that, uh, you know, if somebody's not slicing most of that money off the top is hard. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it seems like you're in a, in a, fortuitous place right now to help in in Afghanistan um I I am curious you know the last year obviously you know crazy turmoil and and life hasn't gotten better I think for people there has that changed what you're doing has it accelerated the need like how has the last six months affected your work in Afghanistan uh it has accelerated the need but it has slowed things down too so mm -hmm. it's been difficult because people have been uh displaced people have moved um and not everybody's sure about what the security situation is going to be and so it's harder to go out and get information or harder to get somebody's you know small business started up in afghanistan um so you know yeah it's uh, a time of change in that country and uh, we're just kind of are going to roll with it and try to make sure that no matter what happens that our goals can continue to be met so um, you know if there's new requirements or uh, you know certain limitations that'll be you know unfortunate but we're going to move forward we're going to try to continue to help people uh, as best we can and I think no matter who's in power in that country I think that that's what they'll want. So I think our mission is something that is apolitical. And so that helps us, I think, navigate through certain situations. Yeah. I mean, and obviously, you know, anytime there's this type of uh, power shift, there's, and there, there's more need, um, you know, I, and, and for someone like me, right, like, I don't have the person that I can trust in Afghanistan. So it's hard for me to get, like, how can I support you in that uh, endeavor? Like, how can, listeners support you and, and support the group that, that you're working with and, and, and supporting um, so we can try and meet that, that increase of need. 
Uh, well, you know, probably the easiest way is for people to donate through our website so they can go to spreadingfortune.com. It's a 501c3 nonprofit, so your donations would be tax deductible. And really, you know, it may sound cliche, but any amount helps because the money that it takes to help someone in Afghanistan is really not very much. Like it's just a few hundred dollars to fix somebody's cataracts and get them back to work or get somebody a career as a, a seamstress or in, in sewing. Um, I think those are good ways. It's also like we talked about, if you have, if you do have connections to somewhere, you know, then talk to us and we can help you get your own organization set up or uh, potentially figure out how we can collaborate. Um, you know, I think this, you know, our work is happening in Afghanistan because I have connections there, but I want to see this work happen everywhere. And there's people all over the world who could benefit from this idea. And so uh, I'm just happy to see anybody doing it. Awesome. Well, Yama, thank you so much for joining us. My, my last question is, I guess, for someone that is, is listening, that, that's thinking about doing a nonprofit or, or wants to kind of spread fortune in their own way, you know, what advice would you have for someone that's kind of in that stage of, maybe thinking about doing it and isn't, hasn't quite started? Um, I, you know, I would say that it's not as hard as you might think it is. It's actually uh, quite easy to do. Uh, it does take a little bit of research, but uh, the documentation on the IRS website and elsewhere is uh, very helpful. And so if you wanted to start one up yourself, that would be great. The thing to know is, you know, to set your expectations at a at a reasonable level. So I never had expectations that this would take off. You know, I would be thrilled if it does, but this project is primarily funded by myself and I'm very happy to do that. Um, and any additional funding just helps. But um, if you're doing it on your own, um, you may you should expect probably not as many donations at first and just try to spread your message and see if you can get more later on, but don't give up because and even if you help a single person you're changing their life and that's huge you know and that's really a selfish act i think because the amount of happiness that you get from doing that yourself i mean that's priceless awesome well, yama thank you again for for coming on and thank you for the work you're doing um you know i, I think many of us have, have seen kind of the the heartache and heartbreak uh, you know in the last couple of months over in afghanistan felt powerless um, and it's awesome to hear somebody that's been helping, you know, the, the heartache didn't start uh, these last couple of months. Um, and, and so thank you for the work that you're doing and, and, the, and for the good that you're doing this world and, and for spreading fortune. We, we appreciate it. And, and again, thanks for coming on and joining the podcast. Thank you for listening to the business of vulnerability. In the midst of the pandemic in the year 2020, it was hard to imagine that we'd be able to start a podcast that talked about the courage and compassion of those serving vulnerable individuals and, and have it be something that people are willing to listen to, uh, not just once, but multiple times. Uh, more than 50 episodes later, we're still sharing these stories and the abundant goodness that is in this world. We're grateful for our listeners, for those that have appeared on the podcast, and for those that will appear in the future. The business of vulnerability is important because it's not an individual's or even an organization's business. It's the business of all of us to help those who are vulnerable be able to overcome whatever problems they are having. And I encourage you to take time today to think about who you can help and who you can uplift and support. Uh, whether that is somebody down the street that's experiencing homelessness, whether that's the refugee in your neighborhood, whether that's a family member, whoever it is, 
your hands, your thoughts, your actions, your words can help them through this difficult time. For more wonderful episodes, more awesome insights, more examples of courage, compassion, and understanding, please visit www.pulseforgood.com and check out our blog and the podcast or easily view other episodes of this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or however else you get your podcasts. Thank you again for listening to the Business of Vulnerability.